All right, so as you might know from last week, our theme this summer is words of wisdom. We're taking some time to hear from each other the lessons that we've learned over the last year or so. And we're also digging into the wisdom books in Scripture, the books like Proverbs and, and Job and Ecclesiastes, all in the hopes of going on a journey deeper into wisdom together over the course of this summer. Last week, we talked about wisdom itself, and we asked the question, what is wisdom? And we looked a little bit into how we might come to acquire or grow in wisdom. And we wrapped it up with the words that Solomon prayed to God. He prayed that God would give him a heart of hearing. And we talked about how that's a great way of encapsulating what wisdom is and, and how it's acquired. It's all about being open, teachable, humble, and, and having this listening heart, this listening ear. And we are open then to, to God, to hear from God, to learn from God and his guidance. We're open to God's creation and the harmony and wisdom that he's put in creation. We're open to scripture and the gifts of these wisdom books. And we're willing to listen and learn from each other, from our community. That was a bit on what wisdom was and how to acquire it. And, and today we're, we're going to move into a conversation about motivation. Because you've probably learned this for yourself, but here's an important truth. You know how there's certain things that we just know that, that we should do it, but if we don't have the motivation to do it, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> motivation is so key for doing something and, and kind of continuing <laughs> to do something, and wisdom is no exception. I can think of an example from my life. You know me, I love music. But there was a time when it wasn't that way, especially when it came to instruments. When I was young, my mom put me into piano lessons. And I actually quit those pretty soon after. I didn't have the motivation. And in fact, I was motivated almost against it because I just did not like the idea of recitals and all that sort of thing. So I quit. But then, a little while later, flash forward in life, and I was becoming a rocker and all that. I had long hair. I was wearing like heavy metal tees and all that stuff. I was really getting into that, and some friends of mine were picking up the guitar. Suddenly, I was motivated to learn guitar. So when my parents put me into guitar lessons, I stuck it out, and I learned, and that began all of it for me. So motivation was so key there. And as I said, the same is true for wisdom, we need to find and, and grow in uh, motivation, in desire for wisdom. And here's the good news. <laughs> the Proverbs, for instance, you see that they get that. They really know that. In fact, we're going to be looking at Proverbs 1 to 9 today, what's called the prologue, and we'll see right in there, there's so much um, to help provide motivation on the path toward wisdom. So that's what we're talking about today, and we're using Proverbs 1 to 9 as our, as our guide, as our help. Okay, before we get into the specifics about the, you know, what the motivation is there, like the specific motivational, you know, words, I want to talk a little bit about the nature of the motivation that we see in the Proverbs, because this is pretty important to, to remember, because you know how there can be healthy motivation versus, you know, unhealthy motivation. And I believe that the Proverbs very much gives us the healthy kind. 
Because it doesn't give us motivation that comes from, say, guilting or shaming. It doesn't give us motivation that where it's like just have blind trust in this. Or it's not fear-based, uh, based on like punishment or something like that. At no point is it saying, you know, listen to me or else, you know, that sort of thing. No, the, the Proverbs are all about advice. They're about counsel, not commandment. They're all about helping us kind of see for ourselves the goodness of the path of wisdom. Because what the Proverbs does is it basically, in general, sets out two contrary paths. The path of wisdom and the path of what it calls folly, or really rejecting wisdom. And it really spells those out, paints those pictures throughout the book of Proverbs. But what it does always is it provides us with the kinds of consequences we can expect from generally falling one versus the other. The Proverbs very much operates on the idea that there's a logic to life. And that logic is, you know, you reap what you sow, that sort of thing. You, what you put out there will come back to you. What goes around comes around. So it spends a lot of time spelling out the kinds of things you can expect that will happen if you follow wisdom versus what you can expect to happen if you follow rejecting wisdom. So for instance, it says this in, uh, in Proverbs 9 verse 12. Live wisely, and wisdom will permeate your life. Mock life, and life will mock you. And the thing I like about it is that this isn't something where it's just saying, you know, you just got to take my word for it. No, this is actually something that you can test out, that you can observe, and all of that. Again, why I think it's such healthy motivation. Because you can really see if this is true. I mean, you can watch other people and see what happens when they make certain decisions. And in your own life, you'll find that you're going to learn lessons from your mistakes. You're going to see that certain things happen when you do certain things. So it's all something that you can, you can test out. You can see for yourself that these things are true. And, and those who have experience, who have gone before, will agree with this cause and effect that the Proverbs are setting out. So all that to say, it's a healthy motivation that we see. And also, it's motivation that is applicable and relevant for all times of life. The reason I say that is if you're to read through Proverbs 1 to 9, and I, by the way, I really recommend you do that this week. Read it through slowly and prayerfully. But when you read through, you're going to find that there's some situations, some scenarios that you feel like, okay, that doesn't really seem to apply to me. In, in its specifics. The reason for that is the context for Proverbs. As usual, it's so helpful to know the context. Why is it saying what it's saying? You know? And a part of that is the original audience, the intended original audience. And there, the, the direct audience of the Proverbs is probably you know, teens and preteens, that age. It's, a lot of it is helping youth to be motivated to choose the path of wisdom and not the path of folly. And we can see, too, from some examples that a lot of this is geared towards, you know, given the context, given the culture, a lot of it was geared toward, uh, toward boys. So especially, you know, when you see the examples on adultery, that's why it's told from a male point of view. But don't let that deter you 
from finding motivation in this. Because that's the thing about the Bible. We'll find that, yes, all these things were written for an intended, you know, original audience. But through the Holy Spirit, they apply to all walks of life. And that's the power of it. And the same is true, so much so, of the Proverbs. For one, when you read through 1 to 9, you read it with that open heart, that heart of hearing, you're going to find yourself getting motivated. I was reminded of that, again, as I was preparing, as I was reading it through, I was just finding myself kind of getting fired up again about wisdom. Here's an example for me that stood out this time, this, this time around as I read. It's in 9, 1 to 6, and it says, Lady Wisdom has built and furnished her home. It's supported by seven hewn timbers. The banquet meal is ready to be served. Lamb roasted, wine poured out, table set with silver and flowers. Having dismissed her serving maids, Lady Wisdom goes to town, stands in a prominent place, and invites everyone within sound of her voice. Are you confused about life? Don't know what's going on? Come with me. Oh, come. Have dinner with me. I've prepared a wonderful spread, fresh baked bread, roast lamb, carefully selected wines. Leave your impoverished confusion and live. Walk up the street to a life with meaning. So that was the message translation. And actually, I would recommend the the message translation for reading the Proverbs. It kind of does a good job of capturing some of the original nuances. But that there, I don't know if it's because of, you know, COVID and the fact that we haven't been able to eat together and have these sorts of party banquets, you know what I mean? And also because I just love food. But this one really spoke to me. This one, just the picture it painted, really motivated me toward that path of wisdom. And I guarantee you're going to find the same as you read it through. But also, just a word of advice about those passages that seem a little bit too specific, maybe geared toward that younger audience. What you can do there is still pray on it, meditate on it, and you're going to find that God still uses it to speak to you and to speak to your situation. And often how that goes is you'll find that there's something still more general under the surface there that will apply. Um, So let's take this for example. Proverbs 1, 8 to 19 talks a lot about joining really like a gang or a group of people and getting together to mug and steal from people to make easy money and possibly just for the fun of it. So that kind of a scenario, when you read it, you know, later on in life, you're thinking, okay, I'm not really tempted to do that. And same with me, I'm not really tempted to do that. And there's not really been, you know, much time in my life where I would have been tempted to do exactly as it's written. But what we can do is realize that under the surface, there might be something more general there that does apply. So if we think about it more generally in the idea that, you know, there's going to be times when we're in the place where we could take advantage of someone or exploit someone for personal gain. And then we see that's a scenario that could happen at any time in life. And so when we see the, the, what it says as the consequences to something like that, we realize, okay, that's motivation to avoid doing that. Because that kind of a scenario, you know, taking advantage of someone, that happens in all spheres of life too. It can happen in your work world, happen in your friend circle, in your family, and let's face it, in the church world as well. 
But there we read the motivation for not doing it in 1, 17, 18. It says, if a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. But these people who do this sorts of thing, they're setting an ambush for themselves. They're trying to get themselves killed. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. See, there it even generalizes it for us. It robs them of life. So that's a bit about how motivating the Proverbs can be for, for all ages, all walks of life, whoever you are. Let's talk now about two of the main types or, I guess, some flavors of motivation. I'm still on that food thing here. Um, but the flavors of motivation. And we see that often, one thing that quite often is it's words of warning. It's advice around warning and also advice around the benefits that come from wisdom and the, the rewards that come. Let's talk about warning first. The logic of life here is that bad choices tend to have bad consequences. And if you kind of keep going down the path of bad choices, the situation gets more dire and more, more um, intense, so to speak. So the warnings are all about spelling out, okay, here's the scenario you might be thinking about. Let's be clear on the negative consequences that can come from it in the hopes of really motivating you not to choose that. The warning is clearly there. You got the choice here. The, the choice is yours, but please look at the consequences and choose wisely. Choose not to go down that path. And there are a lot of specifics that the Proverbs gives us here, a lot of specific scenarios. And in the prologue alone, one to nine, we get these examples. We've, we've already seen the one about violent crimes that could be generalized to like exploiting and taking advantage of people for personal gain. There's also the example of laziness, example of dishonesty, and the example of infidelity as well as, as, um, well as sexual immorality, which maybe we could say is like harmful sexual activity. And there it talks about each of those and it gives the kinds of consequences you can expect from them, the kinds of things that tend to happen to people when they choose to do those things. So for laziness, it says this in 6, 10 to 11, a little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will pounce upon you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Somehow that one, I've read that one since I was younger, and it's very much stuck with me and motivated me to not choose laziness. That's for sure. It's something about the way it's worded. For dishonesty in 6, 12 to 15, it says, Swindlers and scoundrels talk out of both sides of their mouths. They wink at each other, they shuffle their feet, they cross their fingers behind their backs, but catastrophe is just around the corner for them. A total wreck. Their lives ruined beyond repair. The more you weave that web of lies, the more it's going to trap you and just ruin you. For adultery, infidelity, harmful sexual activity, the warning is very practical. For example, adultery, it says, now, again, this is told from the male point of view within the cultural context, but it's pretty, pretty graphic. It says, adultery is a brainless act, soul-destroying, soul-destructive. So let's get that out there right off the bat. This is dangerous stuff. And it says, for jealousy detonates rage, 
Uh, oops, I skipped a part there. Sorry about that. It says, expect a bloody nose, a black eye, and a reputation ruined for good. So there's that aspect. And then it says, for jealousy detonates rage in a cheated husband. Wild for revenge, he won't make allowances. Spells out the consequences, not to mention what it's going to do to your relationship with your partner, what it's going to do to your loved one. So Proverbs has a lot of this where it gives out very practical warnings, spelling out, here's the temptation, here's what you can expect if you give way to that in the hopes that you will glean from that, that you'll let it soak in so that when you're in that kind of a situation, you won't go there. Another type of motivation, as I said, is reward or benefit. Again, the logic of life is that good choices tend to have good consequences. The more you go down the path of good choices, the better the situation gets, the more goodness you'll find in your life. And here in 1 to 9, Proverbs 1 to 9, it's really zeroing in again on those aspects of the heart of hearing that we talked about last week. So it talks about the importance of being open to God and open to hearing from God. It talks about the importance again of being open to creation and, and hearing from the harmony and wisdom that God has put into all of creation. It talks about being open to these writings, the scriptures of wisdom, and open to community, open to learning from your parents and open to learning from your wise friends, from those in your community who want to share wisdom with you. The whole idea here is be open to that, be humble, be teachable, willing to soak in wisdom. And it gives the kinds of consequences, the positive rewards and benefits that come from having that sort of attitude, that sort of trajectory. It says that when you're open to God and his teaching and guidance, then God gives out wisdom for free. He, he gives, he's plain spoken in knowledge and understanding. He's a rich mine of common sense for those who live well personal bodyguard to the candid and sincere. He keeps his eye on all who live honestly and pays special attention to his loyally committed ones. There's a special relationship between you and God and just finding that generosity, God wanting to continue to guide and share wisdom that comes when we are open to God. Remember that idea that fear of the Lord is the beginning, the foundation of wisdom. And, uh, you know, overall, when we have this heart of hearing, we can expect something like this. It says, Proverbs 2, 9 to 13. So now you'll be able to pick out what's true and fair. You'll find all the good trails. Lady wisdom will be your close friend and brother knowledge, your pleasant companion. Good sense will scout ahead for danger. Insight will keep an eye out for you. They'll keep you from making wrong turns or following the bad directions of those who are lost themselves. And those who can't tell a trail from a tumbleweed. Sometimes the message translation has some interesting choice of words. But you see what it's getting at there. Just that beautiful benefit of following wisdom. And overall, you will enjoy, as it says in three, um, chapter 3, a long life lived full and well. You can expect a life of goodness, of fullness. Which involves, if you read through, blessing peace, even protection from worry, and a fulfilling relationship with God. And 
the thing is that I've found to be true in my life as well that I wanted to add here is that being open to wisdom in this way, in all these ways, that's the way that provides room for God to work in your life, even in situations that seem confusing and are really tough. God can work when we keep opening to wisdom and wanting to do that, as I said before, the next right thing, I, said, I think it was last week that I said that, or the next wise thing, then God can work and God can bring goodness out of hard situations. God can bring hope and new life in seemingly hopeless situations. And God can even turn around your mistakes. Because let's talk about that for a second. When we talk about the road of wisdom and the, the road of folly, and kind of the people that it describes here. These are general. These are the general paths in life. And no one person kind of, you know, embodies all of one or all of the other. We're always a mixture. So let's just get that out there right off the bat. No, these are general, maybe we could say attitudes that you'd have or kind of trajectories that you are on. Because we all know that even if we're trying to be on that trajectory of wisdom, there's going to be times when we make mistakes, when we kind of stumble for a bit. But when we keep having this overall approach of that heart of hearing and being open to God and wisdom, then God can, can work good even through our mistakes. <laughs> Let me get vulnerable and give you an example <laughs> from my life. Okay, growing up, you know, my teenage years, 20s, I would say my track record with relationships was so-so, with romantic relationships. Probably made more mistakes than got things right. And so I found that was bringing into my life kind of the negative consequences, some that we see in Proverbs. You know, it was bringing kind of some emotional baggage, some hurt, some pain, just a lot of stuff. And, but I kept kind of turning back to God. <laughs> turning back to God for guidance and, and starting to welcome the advice. Because a lot of times I got into trouble because I didn't listen to the advice of friends or I didn't listen to God. The more I kept turning back, though, the more God was able kind of to change me and turn things around to the point where I was ready to meet Randy, my wife, and do things much more in line with the way of wisdom, leading to an amazing relationship. So I can speak from experience how God can turn our things around when we keep having this attitude and this desire to have this trajectory toward the way of wisdom. Okay, so that's all that I wanted to say today about that kind of the motivation that we need to have to, to follow the path of wisdom. Because just to review, that's what we talked about. We talked about how motivation is so key in, in so many areas of life, right? And it's especially true about wisdom. And the Proverbs knows that. The wisdom writings give us lots of motivation to help get us on this path and to sustain us on this path. And let's face it, part of this is about knowing yourself. It's about knowing how what motivation you need and where you're at. So I want to ask you that question coming out of today. How are you doing in this? What kind of level is your motivation at when it comes to wisdom? You know, are you finding yourself pumped up and ready to do this stuff? Or are you finding yourself discouraged, not a lot of energy here? 
that's an important thing to think about and to pray about and to ask for God's help in. And much the same as it is in a lot of areas in life, you know, part of this is for us to discover what we can do in those situations when the motivation is, uh, is kind of lacking. You know, I can give an example, uh, give another example from music. I like to draw from there. That's the thing that I know probably the best. But, you know, motivation is everything. So when I was in college for music, we had to do, if we hoped to get good at our instrument and become, you know, a professional uh, musician, we had to do a lot and a lot of work and especially practicing. Um, some, you know, some days, some weeks and months, I was trying to practice four to five hours a day to keep getting better on my guitar because that's what I knew it would take. So that requires a lot of motivation. <laughs> so we learned a lot about how you got to know yourself. You got to know what you need to motivate yourself when you're lacking it. Um, so some of it for me was just knowing that, okay, I may be feeling a lack of it right now, but let's just get going. Let's just muscle through and it'll come as I'm playing and as I'm starting to get into playing songs, the, that, you know, the desire and all that and the excitement will come. But sometimes you need to take a break. You need to do something else. You need to get outside, go for a walk, hang out with a friend, do something different, and then come back to it. Other times you need to go to a concert and, and really get inspired. So all that to say, right, in, within that sphere, I needed to learn what it would take to help bring back motivation. And that's true with what we're talking about here as well. There's lots of different ways that we can gain motivation toward wisdom. Sometimes it's just a matter of just do it and knowing that the good consequences will follow, you'll be glad you did it. Other times that might not work, so you need to take some time away to, to, you know, before you make the decision to really pray about it, to ask God for help, to ask God to motivate you. Or, heck, read biographies of others or really listen to stories of others. That can really motivate. So you got to know yourself in this. And all of this is kind of leading up. What we see in the Proverbs, it's starting out with these warnings and benefits. But I think the, the, the goal for all of us is to come to be motivated just by wisdom and the beauty and goodness of wisdom itself. Because there's also parts in Proverbs 1 to 9 where it just takes time to, to tell you how beautiful and good and valuable wisdom is. So in 8, 10 to 11, for instance, it says, Prefer my life disciplines over chasing money and God knowledge over a lucrative career. For wisdom is better than all the trappings of wealth. Nothing you desire can compare with it. Wisdom is that good, that beautiful. It's better than anything else and in this life. And, and wisdom is one verse, one tantalizing verse, if I can use that word, says, in, this is 318, says that wisdom is the very tree of life. <laughs> the tree of life that we read about in Genesis in the Garden of Eden. So I just put that out there for you to chew on yourself. And when we get there, then it's really powerful. When we get there, when we're capturing the, or sorry, we're um, getting a, catching a vision for the beauty and the goodness of wisdom, then wisdom itself becomes motivating. Great. Thanks. Let's pray together, and then we're going to have 
another time and opportunity just to thank God and praise God for his good gifts. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, again, thank you for this great gift that we're talking about, the gift of wisdom, the gift of your guidance in in all of its forms to, to help us in life, to help us to learn from experience, to help us to make wise choices and experience the goodness that can be found in life and the beauty and joy that can be found in life. Now, we know that this we live in a world where things aren't always fair. And things don't always turn out. And, and so, thank you, we're, and we're going to talk about this. Thank you that even the wisdom books help us in those regards, too, talking about those times of exceptions. But I thank you, too, that you can turn bad into good in our lives um, when we keep coming to you. And, so, and I, I thank you that there's those in our community that would attest to that as well. I've heard their stories. So just, we just, again, want to say thanks, and we love you, God, and we praise you, and just for what you're doing today, what you're doing in our community. And so it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.